0: With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom. Simply visit www.realitycheck.radio forward donate to make a difference today. Peter Williams from one o'clock on RCR, Reality Check Radio. This is Reality Check Radio on a Friday afternoon with Peter Williams. Mary Nelson is a barrister and solicitor. She started her legal career working for the IRD. These days, she's a lawyer working for people who have issues with their tax affairs. But it's fair to say she is concerned by some of the processes at her former employer, the IRD. Mary is with me now. There's an old saying, Mary. Thanks for joining us, by the way. There's an old saying... Only two certainties in life: death and taxes. We all have to pay them, but you're saying that uh, sometimes the process around the collection of the taxes might leave a little bit to be desired. Is that a fair statement?
1: Well, uh, yeah, it is a fair statement. Actually, the way that, the the information that ID has available to them that people just don't know they have hmm. very fair statement.
0: All right, then we'll talk about the website that uh, most wage and salary uh, earners use, which is called MyIR. You have your username, you have your password, but you're suggesting this might not be as uh, secure to the individual user as the individual user might think. (laughs) No,
1: it isn't. It isn't. The moment you log on to your MyIR, everything is tracked in real time and everything is time stamped. So no matter what you do in MyIR, for example, if you want to file your GST return in MyIR, which is the preferred way that Inland Revenue wants you to do your taxes. And actually, I understand why they want you to do it like that, because... There is at least 100 million taxpayers in New Zealand because you've got your, um, your individuals and you've got companies and you've got trusts. And if you just look in the company's office, you'll see that there are some people that have at least 35 companies. So each one of them is a, um, has an IRD number.
0: So, so, so say so, that again. We've got a population of 5 million. You're saying there are 100 million taxpayers.
1: I don't think I, anybody thinks about that. that. No. You don't, you just think that there's me and the, what did Jacinda call us? What was that, five million, team of five million? Yeah, so I think it's just a team of five million, but it isn't. Like, for instance, my business, I have my business, which has its own IRD number, and then I have my own IRD number. So I have, I'm part of two inland revenue numbers. If anyone has a company, so yeah, it could be up to 100 million. And so we have a trust-based system in New Zealand because... Obviously, uh, inland revenue couldn't monitor indi- individually each of the up to 100 million taxpayers. And so it's based on trust. And this MyIR tax system is a really good way for inland revenue to monitor the tax system. But actually, how it works is you log into MyIR and you decide you're going to fill out your GST return, and some people might want a more favourable return than they would otherwise be entitled to. And so they might put in their expenses and then they'll put in their, their income and they'll think, oh, that's a little bit more than I want to pay. And so they might fiddle around with it a little bit. And you can fiddle around with it a couple of times. And if you do it too many times, an alert will go through to a case officer And they will look at the GST return and they'll be able to think, oh, look, Mary, she said she earned $5,000 worth of income and she had $1,000 worth of expenses. But then she changed it and she made $1,000 worth of income and $5,000 worth of expenses. And now she's entitled to a refund. Why don't we get in touch with her and find out what happened there? And... um, yeah, so that's one of the things. So it will send an alert through to someone. Um, and that's actually a good thing because realistically, people should be paying the fair share of tax. But um, another example would be if you're in MyIR and you are sending an email to, you're spending, sending a, a, a MyIR message to someone and you'll start writing it and then you'll deduct a paragraph and you'll rewrite it. Well, all of all of that is time stamped, and all of that is recorded. So, no matter what you put in it, if you think you've deleted it, there's actually still a record of it there somewhere.
0: So, in other and words, have, there are there are red flags flying throughout the entire system for every taxpayer in the country, individual yeah. or company or trust.
1: Yep. If you if you're doing it through my uh, I, I myself, I have an accountant. I don't file any tax returns. They're all done by the accountant, and I actually don't know how my accountant does it, but I'm pretty confident he doesn't log into my uh, and file it that way. I think tax agents have a different way of doing it. I so, find out.
0: so isn't yeah. it important that uh, the IRD has these processes? Do you believe this is an invasion of privacy, or does it have to be done to ensure the integrity of the tax system?
1: the integrity of the tax system, Peter. You've been reading the Income Tax Act.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you sound very yeah. cynical for a barrister of the High Court, Mary.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, you know, there's, there's two there's two phrases. Um, one of them is the integrity of the tax system. That's in the Tax Administration Act. And the other one is a risk to the revenue and they are two things that have to be maintained, the integrity, and they don't want anyone who's a risk to the revenue. So I, I actually think that, that my system is good and efficient, um, but I, uh, I, I think that there might be, in some instances, these case officers that have all of this information that they can use and I think they're way overzealous
0: in how they apply it. Okay, so, so essentially you're not talking about the IRD as an institution or about the legislation that governs it or even the overall um, administration, the, the executive of the IRD. You're talking about people further down the food chain and their zealousness in the way that they look at numbers and that they look at people.
1: Yes, and the way that they look at what people have done in their MyIR, um, because I, I had a one. Oh, I've got to make sure I don't actually give away too much stuff. But I had one incident. I had one incident where we were trying to negotiate a settlement within land Revenue, and the business had had a lot of difficulties during the COVID times because everyone got shut down, except for you know supermarkets, and um, so everyone got shut down. They were shut down, and anyway they were supposed to enter into an arrangement for land revenue and they set up a payment on my IR and just before the payment was about to be made, they deleted it. And the case officer at Land Revenue saw this and she went right into... I, I I personally felt that she had a vendetta against this particular client of mine. Um, but... She was asking for information on their children who lived in the house, um, and it was all from the stuff that she'd tracked in my IR. And when I first started working for Land Revenue, actually, tell you a funny little story. My, um, I'm, I'm a straight-up, honest person, I think. And the, my first team leader, I was in the training investigators training team, and she said to me, "Everyone lies." and they don't but a lot of people do lie or they So when you are say everyone
0: lies them. is that every taxpayer lies or everybody who works at IRD lies Well uh,
1: no every taxpayer lies she said to me everyone lies and i just thought no they don't but actually a lot of people do lie in fact a lot of my clients they don't lie; they just don't tell me the story, and they definitely don't tell the full story to IRD. But there's a big difference between being scared to tell someone or being absolutely petrified that you've made a terrible mistake, as opposed to being flat out um, evading tax and avoiding tax. And it's it's that fine line that some of the IRD officers they just miss. They don't re- they they someone's got themselves into a pickle. And they just don't know how to deal with it. Okay, and
0: for, they just don't get it. for for the taxpayers, there any pushback or any any avenue available when you do believe that an officer of the IRD has been overzealous and has intruded on privacy and has overstepped the mark? Uh, yes, you can you can
1: complain to their team leader of. And the whole time I've been dealing with inland revenue uh, on the other side, it's been six years, and only once have I ever managed to get a debt officer changed. And that was an incident where we gave a proposal to, and this was only two months ago, we gave a proposal to inland revenue for a significant debt, um, a lump sum. <coughs> it was going to be Sorry, it was going to be a lump sum payment and then installments over time. But the debt officer, when they got the proposal, they had, a, oh, that's the other thing, access to people's bank accounts. They, he got he had access to this family's bank accounts and he saw a large deposit in the wife's account. And so he cleared out all these bank accounts of all their money. He sent a letter he didn't do it through my IR. He actually sent a letter um, to the taxpayer through their accountant that was never received, but he gave them two days. From the date he sent the letter, he would, they were given two days to get in touch with Inland Revenue, and, in fact, they should have contacted me. The IRD officer should have contacted me because my name was on the letter. Um, so the two days, when it didn't happen in two days, he actually stripped their bank accounts.
0: So do they have the right to do that? I mean, for a start, I think many people would be quite disturbed to know that the IRD has access to your bank account. But then when you think about it, if you have a term deposit and you get some interest and you pay tax on that interest straight away, I guess the IRD knows the bank account number. But Beyond that, do they actually have access to get in and look at the the statements, look at the balances?
1: Yes. There's, in the Tax Administration Act, there's a section, Section 17B, I think, and what it is, it's a, it's, IRD will send a letter to a bank or to someone you know or to a anyone they send a sec- they put out a section 17 notice requesting information and the person that they send it to the bank or the entity or the, whoever they actually are legally obligated to supply that information to inland revenue. And so it's easy with the bank accounts because most people have um, a bank account <laughs> sorry most people have a bank account attached to their IR. So Inland when you will know that bank account number, and so they'll send, you know, like they'll send a letter to my bank saying we want to know what all Mary's bank accounts are. We want all her bank statements for the last two years for this account, and also can you tell us if she has any more bank accounts. And so they can request those bank accounts, and, uh, and actually from a person's bank account, you can then track any other bank accounts they have. Like if you have an ANZ and an ASB account, people often – transfer funds between the two accounts. And so I've already requested your ANZ bank accounts. They see you've got an ASB account, then they do the same thing with the ASB and they'll have all your bank statements. And if you owe a debt to Inland revenue, they can actually drain your bank accounts.
0: So they have access to go in there. If you say owe the tax department, the IRD, $20,000, for an overdue yeah. tax bill, whether it be provisional yeah. tax or terminal tax or GST or whatever, and you happen to have $21,000 sitting in your account, A, IRD can access your bank account to see what your balance is, but B, they can actually take $20,000 from you, from that bank account, without you approving it. Is that right? The, the, they, have the, they have the ability to go in there and take money from your bank account?
1: They do. I'm actually just going to try and find the actual case that this happened so I can look at the notes at IRD. Okay, so what Inland revenue... So on my screen, I've got the letter that IRD sent to this bank and it's Notice to Deduct Amounts.
0: So, so at least, at, at least, I R D are advising in advance that they're going to do it. I suppose that's something.
1: Yeah, well, this one they did, well, they did advise in advance. They gave, they did it by post though, so the client never found out about it until the funds had been taken out of their bank account. No, hang on, hang um, on,
0: Mary. What year are we talking about here? Twenty twenty three. I'll tell
1: you the date actually of the letter. <laughs> I'll my phone and the I R D. Twenty twenty
0: three. 13th of September, and the IRD is sending correspondence in the mail via New Zealand Post. You're kidding me. Yes.
1: I'm not kidding you. I was so shocked. Um, They sent it on the 13th of September, and let me see. Okay, so that's not the correct So they sent it on the 13th of September, and they gave him... um, Okay, right, no, actually, here we go. I've got the correct letter. They sent it on the 4th of September. That was the second deduction notice I was looking at. They sent it on the 4th of September. Yeah. It says, we've reviewed your financial relief application. We have not granted you the request because information shows that you can pay in full. Well, the information provided was all their bank account details. But from those bank account details, they could also got the wife's bank account details and saw that she had this huge deposit in her account. Um, But anyway, so that letter was sent on the 4th of September, and you need to pay a well in excess of $200,000 by the 6th of September. So they were given two days' notice for a letter that was sent by post. (laughs) And then the funds were received... They um, deducted. They did a deduction notice, so that's the financial relief application, when I'm looking at. And then, the deduction notice was sent out, and they sucked sixty five thousand dollars out of one account and fifty five thousand out of another account, um, leaving them with no money. And the funds in the wife's account was actually. Um, an inheritance because her mother died and they'd just sold the house. And so it was actually the sale proceeds of her mum's house. <sighs> who had died over COVID, who no one could see because you could have gone to hospitals during COVID.
0: Okay, okay Mary, so you're the, the barrister, the solicitor for these people who have had IRD take huge sums of money from their account after advising them. <laughs> Via post, that they're going to do it in two days' time. What comeback have those clients of yours got in these sorts of issues?
1: Well, you've got to have someone that has your back. It was literally, uh, I got, we got sixty five thousand dollars back. They refunded it, and they um, and we swapped case officers.
0: But so, so how but, did you get this, the sixty five thousand back? Did you just appeal to IRD's? better nature and say, you know, hang on, be fair, be realistic here. You know, we're living in 2023. Why are you advising by post? You should be advising by email or by phone, for heaven's sake. Uh, did, did, you, did you just push the case hard in, in that respect?
1: Oh, I absolutely pushed it. But the other thing you've got to look for is you've got to find, within them revenue, because they will never do that, first of all, they will never accept that someone 's done something wrong that works within the organization, which in some ways is quite good it 's like you want your parents to both agree with each other because that forms a stable you know family relationship so i I kind of get that but uh, um oh, I totally forgot where I was going with that but anyway
0: oh, no but but, but basically you you 're saying that oh. you 've got these clients who have had a lot of money taken out of their account by IRD so you have to stand up for them so you just went back to IRD and said you know be fair is that essentially your your take on it you, you didn't have to go to any arbitrating authority to ensure that IRD release some of those funds back well
1: the first thing is is that IRD don't have to give the money back because the person owes the money yeah, right yeah true that's so that's it'll, accepted it'll,
0: yeah but, there is, yeah, there, but was, there, there is the law and there is the spirit of the law, and there is a thing called common decency, isn't there?
1: There is that indeed. Um, there, there's actually procedures that they follow, and ironically, when I rang up I, I was ringing up, I was trying to find anyone to talk to about this, and
0: um, one is <laughs> hang on, do you have some secret to... phone numbers because that's another issue, of course. nobody ever gets to speak to anybody at the oh. IRD. Do, do you have the secret hotline?
1: Um, I just ring anyone. I have so many people's phone numbers at Inland Revenue. I would just ring around until I find someone, but most people don't actually have that. And yeah, I agree. Actually finding a human to talk to at Inland Revenue is really hard, particularly if you a client wants to tell Inland Revenue about a mistake they've made. Finding a human to attach to the case is really hard. But regarding this um, $65,000, one of the people that I rang up and I was going through and I said they they, gave, they sent it by post, that's not fair, you gave them two days, that's ridiculous. And, and in fact, I must actually ask the account if they did receive the letter because I'm not sure if they did. But anyway, um, what happened is they thought they'd hung up on me in one of the conversations and I could hear them say oh, it doesn't look like it was followed properly. And I wrote all these notes down and like, and I was so nice to them in the first instance. I'm like, this guy's, you know, blah, blah, blah. Everything that's going on in his life and things. And um, and in the end, I just got furious. And I said to them, the day that you thought I wasn't on the phone, I heard everything that you said. And that's what changed things. Because I heard them say that they hadn't followed the procedure. But if I actually hadn't heard that, I don't know if we would have got the money back.
0: Gee, I mean, you're, so, you're not she, just a lawyer. lawyer it did, sounds like okay. you're a detective as well, and <laughs> <laughs> which, which Man, you I need to be. But, but taking notes is obviously a, a key factor and, you know, having the evidence and writing makes such a, yeah. a huge difference. But is the,
1: the, is the
0: attitude just- of IRD officials ever likely to change, Mary, because they have a job to do, they believe that they are owed money, They believe that people who are slow in meeting their debts are doing that on purpose. There may be very good reasons for not meeting IRD obligations. Most of the time it's because there's not the appropriate amount of money in the account to be able to pay. Uh, This sounds like a quite extreme circumstance with the inheritance having been deposited and normally that account would not have anywhere near that amount of money in it that the IRD were able to to access I would have thought is that true
1: was it wasn't the inheritance money they took it was the inheritance money that they saw that made them decline the application so there was a wife's account well, it was I don't even know if it's her inheritance it was the sale proceeds from her mother's house after her mother died and it had just been deposited so um, when they when the the guy saw that, With inland revenue, so things like paying PAYE, it's funds held on trust. So if I'm a a salary and wage earner, when my employer takes my PAYE out, it's my money that they take and then they give that to inland revenue. So not paying that is actually a crime. And often people can't afford to pay their PAYE, particularly businesses that have been really stung by COVID. And um, so they will pay their staff. So you think of a cafe, right? You're going to pay your employees and you're definitely going to pay your food suppliers and you might not have enough money to pay the PAYE while you're struggling through a difficult stage. And some debt officers, they absolutely get that. And I can think of a couple, and I wish I could say their names, but I would never do that. There are some really fantastic people that work at Inland Revenue, And I'd like to give them a shout out. But then there are other ones who just go by the letter of the law. And a lot of them, and to be honest, and this might sound a bit, a lot of them are not New Zealand-born people. And I think that they have a different type of attitude. Or a lot of people have been working at Inland Revenue for far too long and have never been out in the real world. And they forget that they were all paid over COVID and, you know, did their washing and mowed their lawns and checked a few emails, while well, well, the rest of us actually were being paid. And so they also forget that, and so they need to have timely reminders every now and again. But it's also really hard to say that sort of stuff to an inland revenue officer, because you don't want to get their backs up when you're negotiating for a client. You've yes, be, yes. It's you've be,
0: fine line. You've got to be delicate, you've got to be diplomatic. All right, well, let's move on from that issue of my IR and about... IRD officers access to your bank statements. Can we talk about student loans? Now, as we know, student loans are taken out by tertiary institution students. They are interest free at the time when they're studying, but as soon as they enter the workforce, they're expected to be paid back. But of course, the loophole is that uh, if you don't want to pay it back, you can fly the coop. You can go and live in Australia, go and live anywhere else in the world. Once you're offshore, (laughs) you're under no obligation to, to pay your student loan back. And, of course, the key is that student loan repayments are managed through the tax system, through the IRD. But are you discovering instances where the IRD is beginning to look overseas and talk to overseas jurisdictions about former New Zealanders who have student loan balances outstanding which I would have thought they're not legally obligated to attend to while they're living offshore, but apparently the IRD is thinking otherwise. Tell us about this.
1: Okay, well, student loan. First of all, when you get a student loan, um, you start paying it back when you enter the workforce, and I think the repayments don't kick in until you're earning over $20,000 a year. It might have gone up a little bit since then, but anyway, and I think it's... 15%. So when you live in New Zealand and you're paying off your student loan here, you have no choice. It's going to be deducted from your pay. You go on a special um, tax rate. Um, And there's no interest because you're giving back to the community what the community has given you. So you don't have to pay interest on your loan because you're working in New Zealand. But the moment you leave and go offshore, then there's interest is added to the student loan. And that's because you're not Giving back to like if you're a student nurse, you do your actually that's a bad example. this nurses actually shouldn't have to pay. But if like if you're a lawyer and you do it, you do your law degree, and um, and then you do a couple of years here, then you go overseas and you start earning good money. But you your your student loan will have interest added because you're not in New Zealand, um, and it's super important to keep your repayments up. There's different. Groups you have to do like, I think it's if your loan's under fifteen thousand you pay thousand dollars a year. If it's over, if it's up to twenty thousand, it's two thousand over twenty thousand. It's four thousand dollars a year or something like that. So you've got to make these lump sum payments, and if you don't, yes, Inland Revenue can find you. And there's always been the ability for IRD to track people in Australia because we, between New Zealand and Australia, we have an act called the Trans Tasman's. Reporting Act, I think, where New Zealand and Australia basically act as the same country and we report people to Australia and they report people to us. But now, and actually yesterday I had a phone call and that's what prompted this from a a girl that lives in Australia and she was an Iranian refugee that came to New Zealand in the late 90s and she did a course to learn English and she didn't realise that it was to be that it was done through a student loan. And last week she got contacted by someone in Australia to say that she owes twenty three thousand dollars, and she didn't even realise she actually had a student loan. How, and the original debt was twenty three thousand dollars. How could that be?
0: How could she not know she had a student loan? Was that just ignorance well, or unfamiliarity with New Zealand systems?
1: I don't know how she didn't know. And, and I wasn't sure if she didn't know, but her explanation to me was that she arrived in New Zealand. She couldn't speak English. Um, everyone was doing these English language courses, and she did it. And then she went and she moved off to Australia. And so I'm not sure whether she did – and, in fact, because she was couldn't speak English, um, you know, there's a good chance that she didn't actually understand what happened. But the fact is, that she, they, no one contacted her for 23 years until last week.
0: So it was the twenty three thousand uh, dollars combination of the loan she took out plus accumulated interest over the last 20 plus years?
1: Um, yeah, they have. It's a student loan has an extra special type of interest as well. So a student loan has got the interest that they add when you're overseas then the penalties that they add because you haven't paid it, but they also have something else called penalty interest, and um, which is a huge big whack. Anyway, this girl told me yesterday, because I said to her, really your best option is to try and do a settlement, because IRD will re- remit the penalty interest, and then she said to me, well, they said they'd take $9,000 off. I said, well, you should just pay it, to be honest, because you cannot write off a student loan. The only way a student loan can be written off is a you bankrupt yourself.
0: And does this woman um, have, have the capability to repay the New Zealand IRD twenty three thousand um, dollars?
1: I would. Well, the first piece, the first question I always ask people is, do they own a property? Because if you own property, you don't want to be bankrupted. Um, yeah. Yeah. And she did. So, and, and if you own property,
0: you can property. borrow against it for any outstanding debts. Is that what you're advising?
1: Um, if, no, what I'm saying is that if you if you don't want to be – if you own property, you don't want to be bankrupted. Because if you are bankrupted, then you lose the property. Right.
0: Okay, so – Yeah,
1: that's what I'm saying. But yeah, it, I'm not saying that if you – It was best –
0: yeah, it's best for this person then to, to settle uh, if they can. But I think the thing that gets me is that even though you're living in another country – Uh, you can still be chased by the IRD. What about outside of Australia, Mary? Can you be chased for funds owing to the New Zealand Tax Department if you live in another country besides
1: Australia? Um, Lots of countries. We have a thing called the Common Reporting Standard. So it's um, a treaty that was entered into by huge amounts of countries all over the world where countries report So if I have a bank, bank, like if you go to the bank and they say, where are you a resident? So that's happening to everyone these days. You might get a letter from your bank saying, you know, where are your tax resident? And if you say I'm a tax resident in England, then the IRD or the bank will, I don't know how, I don't know who it is that transfers the information, but that information will be sent to England. And they'll say, Mary Nelson's got a bank account. Mary Nelson's in New Zealand. She or whatever, you know, they'll share the information about like, if I'm a resident, a tax resident in the UK, they will tell the UK that I'm in New Zealand earning money and that I've got this much money in my bank account or that. And, and in fact, so I had a guy that he had child support in New Zealand and he was served with a letter of demand in England and that was two years ago. So for the last, I think we entered the Common Reporting Standards about Partway through COVID, um, yeah, so they can chase anyone in the world who owes money. Our IRD can. they? So, the, well, so that wasn't a taxi, that was a child support debt. But, but that's administered yeah, through the
0: IRD. Gosh, there's a certain irony in that, that somebody living in England is chased for child support. How much child support in New Zealand is, shall we say, just uh, flagged away because social workers, IRD people are just a little bit overly kind towards absent fathers? 100%.
1: What IRD do is that they chase the money. Like, I, I think that they knew that this guy, actually, that was living in the UK, I think they knew he had a house. And I think what what happens is that IRD see what assets, it's very easy to track stuff. Like, We've already talked about how you can get bank accounts. Well, it's easy to track properties. Um, you can um, send a request to someone and you can find out where they own properties, for instance. And then you can get the information on that property. So I think what IRD do is that they will try report, you know, that should be paid. Oh, yeah, I agree. They don't really chase it that hard here, do they? But no, they can chase you all over the world. Um, so what they're saying one, is that if they, they
0: find out you've got assets, you're in the gun, if you yeah. don't have visible assets or registered assets, as in people who deal in cash and just have the cash literally stacked up or laundered through other, other avenues, uh, those people are not chased quite so hard for their, for their um, uh, absent father obligations.
1: I don't believe so. I don't believe so. I think that the moment that – and, in fact, I see it – I see the anti-money laundering law, right? I see it all over the place. If, if a government organisation knows that there's money somewhere, they will chase hard for it, and they will ignore other people who have done exactly the same thing because they don't have any money. And my favourite is the proceeds of crime team with the police, actually. You know, and when you hear that stuff on the radio, oh, you know, we've just restrained this and that and the other thing. And often the stuff that they restrain is it's, um, or actually they restrain property for IRD tax debt now.
0: Yeah, but so is, that, is that is rep- it just the tip of the iceberg? Yeah. You think the stuff that is confiscated?
1: Well, I don't think that all the people that they confiscate stuff off have actually are as bad or criminal or dodgy as the department that's chasing them thinks. I think what it is that they have some money that can be chased.
0: I get you. I get you. Can we just finish, Mary, by talking about this vexed issue of uh, the Brightline property test? So when it was first introduced, it was two years, it went up to five years, now it's ten years, and it's on its way back down again. Uh, how difficult has this yes. been to administer?
1: Well, when it was two years and five years, that was actually fine. Okay, it was pretty straightforward. You had an exemption called the main home exemption. And so, if you lived in the property in the, like, a we'll use a five year bright line test. So, you own a property for three years, you live in it for um, 19 months. So that's more than 50% of the time. And so when you sell it, you don't. there's no tax on any gain that's been made. So that was really straightforward. But when they changed it to the 10-year property test, they prorated the time that you will live in your house. So if you own it for three years and you live in it for 19 months and then you don't live in it for the remainder of the time – you actually have to pay tax on the time that you didn't live in it. And that would be a mere to try and figure out. Um, and I don't even know how they could calculate that. You'd, there'd be so many formulas. I mean, you'd think, right, property went up 5% from February to March and it went down, blah, blah, blah. I mean, gosh, what a mere. So I'm actually glad that they're getting rid of that. And the other thing is, is that's capital gains by stealth anyway isn't it? Like they say, there's no capital gains tax in New Zealand, but it actually
0: is. Yeah, absolutely. And (laughs) we'd be far better to have a straight out capital gains tax at a particular rate rather than making tax on any property appreciation and property profit uh, based on your marginal tax rate. Surely it'd be much fairer to have a capital uh, gains tax at whatever was recommended by uh, the, the tax working group all those years ago at around about 12 or 15% instead of some people having to pay 30%. Wouldn't that make more you sense? Know
1: I totally agree because the Bright Line test only applies to residential property. So if you buy a commercial property you can buy and sell that and, and not be taxed on again if you did it for investment purposes. So with property there's two things. If you buy and sell properties to make money then that's income and it's Always been taxed. So, if you buy and sell three houses in a year, that gain is an income gain. It's not a capital gain. That's how the IRD look at it. Uh, um, With so so, you would always have been caught paying. Always been caught by the tax system prior to the bright line rule. However, what I think is really unfair about the bright line rule is that um, it doesn't apply to commercial property. And the other thing about tax is that every country has their way of someone not paying tax. Because, like, there's some um, states in the US, and it's one of the car manufacturing states where corporate entities don't pay any tax. And I know that in the inner London, I think that they had um, where wealthy people didn't pay tax. And so a whole lot of people moved to inner London and in New Zealand, ours is capital gains tax. We don't have it on commercial stuff. So that's so a, a corporate entity could have the head office here, and um, only use a commercial property investment, and they would never have to pay tax on it. So, or Facebook, Google, Microsoft. I don't know what tax they pay in New Zealand. So,
0: not much yeah. because they. <laughs> They shift most of their profits to low tax jurisdictions, mostly Ireland or or places in the Caribbean, and that has been going on for years. And in the meantime, the international tax uh, authorities try and find solutions, but it requires
1: (laughs) quite a lot of negotiation. Yeah, a lot of negotiation. Yeah, yeah. They don't. You know why they don't? Because. They don't want to be because the people that are saying they're looking for the solutions are the ones that would have to pay big, huge amounts of tax if they found the solution. Indeed. I'm sure the solution is difficult as they all say.
0: Yeah. <laughs> hey, Mary, great talking with you. You have some interesting tales to tell. I suppose oh. the what's the yeah. overall theme here? That if if you earn money, you have to pay tax and everybody should be very aware that they need to pay tax and that they should be fair about the taxes they believe they should pay. Don't tell fibs about your expenses. And That's at, right. On the other side, you expect fairness and and uh, honesty from the IRD as well, don't you, in their processes and in their assessing.
1: Yeah, 100%. The other thing is, uh, like, if people are concerned about their tax or they're unsure, they should get an accountant and get, don't get a tax agent. Make sure that when you are getting someone that they're a chartered accountant because then they actually have to comply with – I don't know what the organisation is called now, but it used to be called Zika And so if you have a chartered accountant who makes a mistake, you've got an authority that you can go to and discuss it with them. But a lot of these people that you will see online um, are tax agents. So they've done a course of in-land revenue They're allowed to, um, they have an ability to file people's tax returns, but actually they don't have any specialist knowledge, so always use a chartered accountant.
0: Very good. Hey, Mary Nelson, great talking with you. You're not even pushing your own case to hire a a tax barrister and solicitor. Get an accountant instead.
1: Get yourself an accountant. When you get into trouble, give me a call. Okay. There you go. (laughs) Good on you, Mary. Uh, Great being with you you, here on
0: uh, Reality Check Radio. Mary Nelson, barrister and solicitor uh, from Auckland, specialist in tax law. Peter Williams from 1 o'clock on RCR, Reality Check Radio. With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom. Simply visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate to make a difference today.